last time I was here, I uh, delivered a message with three different actions. For some reason today, I couldn't come up with one. Um, we used to replace our pastor once in a while as part of the people's board. And uh, uh, we all know that uh, pastors and uh, young adults are uh, in a retreat today. Um, anyway, the word of God doesn't need an introduction. Amen? Um, the title of our message today is Taking a Giant Step. Taking a giant step. And I couldn't come up how to make an introduction for that title of our message. But a giant step is simply a step bigger than your normal step. It's an extra ordinary move that we used to take in an extra ordinary situation to accomplish our mission or to finish our assignment. And so today we will read a story in the book of John and it's in John chapter 4. It's uh, page 888, 888 in our Bible. And before we read it, I read it in Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this morning. Asking your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding of your word and your message. Opening our hearts and our minds. Reveal yourself, O Lord. John chapter 4. And we'll read from verses 1 to 13. Although we'll try to deal with the whole story, 1 to 42. Verse 1, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than God. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town 
in Samaria called Sipar, near the plot of ground, Jacob, and had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's wealth was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw, draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and you would have given, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his class and his earth. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, well up, welling up, so the text that we just read is considered the longest private conversation of Jesus with another person recorded in the gospel. This is commonly popularly known as the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. So the incident started when the Pharisees heard that Jesus' ministry is gaining ground. If you will recall Pastor Mark's message in the book of Luke, he mentioned that Capernaum which is in the north, became the base of, his, of uh, Jesus' early ministry. So Capernaum is part of the uh, Galilean region, or the province of Galilee. And then from there, Jesus selected his first disciple, mostly fishermen, and converted them into fishermen. He healed the sick. He performed some miracles, including the feeding of the 5,000 in Bethsaida. He proclaimed the good news of salvation. And then Jesus made a turning point. So in the north, 
he decided to go to the south, which is Jerusalem. And so, I still remember one of Pastor's message there. If you will remember, it's called the road to the Jackson. And basically, coming from the north, which is the province of Galilee, to Judah in the south, where Jerusalem is situated, there is the Jordan River that runs through from the north going down to the south. But there's a province that is uh, in between, that separated the north from the south, the Galilee from Judea, and that is Samaria. So if you would walk or travel from the north to south, the closest way to go is to pass through Samaria. But usually Jewish people they try to avoid Samaria. And so what they do is they cross the Jordan River to avoid Samaria to go to Jerusalem. And it takes them around six to seven days if they are While if they go by the closest route, which is passing through Samaria, it will save them about three days. And the reason why they try to avoid Samaria is because there is a, 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 a hostilities between the Jewish people and the Samaritan if you go back to the Old Testament to 2 Kings in chapter 17 you will see or that, that chapter will provide you an overview of this hostility the cultural and historical hatred between the two at that time Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And Samaria at that time, the Jews at that time in Samaria, they did evil things. And the Lord didn't place him. And so the Lord God allowed this Assyria, another kingdom, to conquer them. And so what happened is in the year 721 BC, the Assyrians conquered Samaria. And they didn't only conquer Samaria, but what they did is they uprooted the people there in Samaria and replaced them with some more different tribes from Assyria and put them in. So the Assyrian people, settlers, settled in Samaria at that time. And so, from there, uh, there was a, a pagan religion that been practiced, and, and, and later on, the Jewish original, the original population came back. And then when they came back, intermarriages happened. 
And so that so that the, 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 the Sumerian people, the Assyrians, and the Jewish people, they kind of have intermarried yes, and became a mixed race. So it's not only a mixed race. What happens is that there's also a mixture of pagan and 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 Jewish or Judaism people. So they were able to keep a practice that are believed in the Pentateuch, which is the five books of Moses, but at the same time, practice the Assyrian religion as well. And so because of this, the Jewish people, or the true blood, from Judea, and even from far, far as the Galilee uh, region, they don't like and they don't consider Samaria as a whole, as part of the Holy Land. So, when this story happened, Jesus was in Judea, in Jerusalem. And then they learned that the ministry in Galilee, in the south, is gaining ground. And so Jesus started to go back, or planned to go back to the north. If you will recall, in Luke 9, I pointed earlier, after Mark delivered a message that Jesus planned from Galilee to go down south and he uh, decided to pass through Samaria in Luke 9, chapter 9, verse 51 and 52. And what happened there is that Jesus sent uh, some messengers to, to tell the 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 the, 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 Samar Samarian, the Samaritan ability uh, that he will be passing on. But because of these hostilities, because of this hatred between the two, they sent away the messengers. And that they tell that Jesus is a welcome there. If you remember as well that even the disciples of Jesus uh, offered or asked Jesus if they had sent five to this villages. But Jesus rebuked them and instead they decided to go to another village. And so this time we call that, by the way, after much called that the road to rejection. Okay. And he even emphasized that the road to rejection isn't easily accepted, isn't easily followed, and isn't easily understood. And so this time, the story didn't say this is the second time that Jesus is going to Samaria. But it does show that this time he wants to open a new road. And this is not anymore a road to rejection. Instead, I call this the road to acceptance. So he came down 
to a town called Sipar, which is close to a well and is known as Jacob's Well. And while sitting there, he says that Jesus is tired, probably thirsty, exhausted, and just sit beside the well. And at this time, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. At this point in time as well, it was Jesus who initiated the beginning of a long conversation. And it starts with a simple question. Can you give me a drink? Jesus is a great start of a great conversation. It was a simple question. It's a simple question. And yet it opens the door to a conversation of basic life. Human relations, theology, God, worship, history. I tried this question once to start a conversation. I remember my first week here in Canada, I came from the Philippines, and I was invited in Montreal by a friend. That was in Ontario, 1981, and I said, this is a great And realized it's start just a conversation. And, and, and uh, my friend said, so what kind of drink? And because I get used to the Philippines that when you ask for a drink, I will give you water. So he said, What do you mean, what kind of drink? Well, we had soft drinks, we had juice, we had all this. What if I, I, I eat soft drinks? You, you want a, a diet or a. <laughs> and I said, uh, oh, Okay, uh, what else do you prefer? I still don't because I'm new here. I still not used to diet and regular and whatever you call it. Say, uh, uh, what else do you have there? Say, well, we have tea. You say, uh, okay, you get a tea. What kind of tea? <laughs> I didn't realize too, we, in, in our place, we have a, a, a tea that's a sweet. If you want, we just pick up the leaves and boil it. <laughs> they didn't realize, though, we had Greek tea and we had Japanese tea and so anyway, in, in short, after half an hour talking and explaining everything, we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but this one, this conversation is so different. This conversation starts with, to be a drink. But it went through a discussion and dialogue about life, theology and worship and human relations and history, hatred. Jesus touches the need for a basic necessity of life, which is just one. And you see how important life is. We can go for days without food. But not without water. 
And so in, in, in this story, there, there is so much significant lesson that we can learn. But please allow me to point out some immediate ones. When Jesus asked for a drink, right away, he broke some uh, cultural taboos or barriers in between him and the woman. First, he spoke to a woman in public. That's a no-no in their culture. During Jesus' time, even husbands try to avoid talking to their mother, to their sister, even their wife in public. Second, he spoke not just to a woman, but to a Samaritan woman, as I have pointed earlier. There is so much hate, hatred between Samaritans and the Jews. And third, he is ready, by asking for a drink, he is ready to use a bucket for the Samaritan to drink his wine. Samaritans are not only considered as outcasts, they were considered unclean and from the Jewish point of view, they're not supposed to use an bucket, a glass, or whatever, something that is being used by unclean people. And so, for me, this is a challenge step. This question is a simple question, but a big step that Jesus did to reach out. And this opened the gate for our first point. That God offers his gift to everyone and not just for a selected As pointed earlier, Jesus started his ministry in Galilee, talking to men, mostly, picking up disciples, first disciples. He, in the first chapter of, of John, he talked to this different Peter, Andrew, and then Nathaniel, and then later in chapter 3, he talked to a man named Nicodemus, who is also a Jew, a teacher as well. And so when he, when Jesus uh, talked to this woman, that kind of shift a different road, not anymore a road for rejection or true rejection, but a road to accept that. Will you give me a drink? 
across the Jordan River, even spending three more days in travel. Are you sure? Did I hear it right? You are asking me for a break? You can't believe it. You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. But Jesus didn't end up for his happiness. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a gift, you would have asked him, and you would have given him a reason So by raising, by, by answering the Samaritan woman in a different tone, he raises the desire of the conversation in a different level. I just want to tell you, woman, that the wall has been broken for us. I broke the wall. Let's not talk about this. Let's talk about you. By raising that conversation, what Jesus did is to open a new avenue to address the woman's special needs. The pain, the doubt, At the same time, Jesus is offering her hope, the living water of hope. Let me point out three things about the woman. First, this woman is not a silent type woman. She's not limited to like a private world of women. She engaged in dialogue. She initiated debating with Jesus about issues and topics that people are there. And in verse 11, she argued, There you have nothing to grow with. The well is deep. Where can you get to this living water? Are you greater than Jacob? At the same time, while she's got some knowledge, she's not the silent type, but at the same time, she is confused. She is confused about the living one that Jesus is offering. Are you greater than our father Jacob? And third, while she is confused, she shows in the story that she is interested in the living life. Shows in verse 15. The woman said to her, Sir, give me some bread. Sometimes in our life, Happen that we have some kind of, of stories 
we have Cain, we have Thou, and yet we haven't uh, had a chance to get uh, to this kind of offer. But here, even she is still in doubt. The woman signifies her interest of the living wife. But she knows right away that she's not just talking to an ordinary person, but to somebody who can satisfy her completely. Talking about the living wife, what Jesus is referring here is the water that satisfies us completely. The water, which is the, the, the living water, which refers to the eternal life. In John 3, we go back to the story of Nicodemus. John 3 16, that God so loved the world, He gave us His only Son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have an eternal life. This is the kind, this is the living water that Jesus is offering. It's called the gift of life, Jesus says. The Greek word for that gift is Doriga, which means it's free. In Ephesians 2 8, since it's free, it's not just a simple word like the one that's coming from the well, but it's a free that comes only from God. Second thing, second point from this story is not only that God's gift, gift is for everyone. But God meets us where we are at in our life situation. So going back to the story, we know that Jesus has been there before the woman arrived. Some scholars believe that Jesus sought the woman deliberately in order to convert her. But there are those who believe that what happened is just purely accidental. I, I, I believe that this is all part of God's design. However, I believe as well that the woman is not aware of what is happening. But one thing in this story is we cannot deny the fact that Jesus does not allow hunger. He does not allow thirst. He does not allow even kindness to cloud the possibility of bringing the good news into their faces. And this is one thing that we have to remember. Whatever issues in life we have, whatever problems in life we have, whatever experiences we have. 
to show the knowledge, I have the knowledge and understanding of faith. I know that Messiah is coming. I know that when he comes, he will tell us everything. And so from that point, there is no surface of surface anymore. There is no defensiveness anymore. It disappears. And now he enters with an easy conversation. I'm just wondering about this woman. How long she has been waiting for the Messiah. Waiting to meet the face, the Messiah face to face. And tell him everything. Even her meaningless life. And even her present life. But now it's not only telling him. Now she realized that before telling him, the Messiah knew already who he is. Jesus didn't disappoint her. Despite the hunger, despite the thirst, despite the exhaustion, Jesus set aside his own needs to accommodate her and reason to her like a very important person. This is the God we are believing. A God who was crucified, died, set aside himself, his glory for us. Because of that, he realized how dirty he is spiritually. He discovered the emptiness of her soul. Sir, please give me the water, the living water that you are talking about. Yes, I will speak to you. 
you ever experienced this in your situation? That God endures with you. He endures with you. The wedding cake. Children's care. The third point, our response is next level. We go back to the woman, the Samaritan woman. His response, or her response, is just right there. Verse 28, right away, she left. She knew the Messiah. She talked to the Messiah. And the Messiah opened to her, and right there, she left. So there are three things in her response. Number one, the necessity to empty their jar. The jar of selfishness, the jar of doubt, the jar of divisiveness, the jar of satisfaction, the jar of hatred, the jar of attitude, the jar of pride. The jar of sin in the conversation experience is not there anymore. We too need empty our jar. At the same time, there is also the necessity to leave the jar. In verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. There is the necessity to leave our baggage, the baggage of our past, and take a giant step. A giant step brings our number three with the necessity to hear our God. In verse 15, third, leave and leave that living one. So there is a necessity to embrace the new jar, the jar of the living water that the Lord Jesus is offering to us. With this, it is interesting to see the result. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. You see this woman? From the beginning, it's hard to see that this woman can become a one woman to become many. She doesn't know the name of God. She doesn't know who Christ is. Who is greater than our Father Jacob? She doesn't know that she can completely, completely satisfy. How can you get that water? You don't even have the bucket. She doesn't know the God whom she is worshiping. She just knows We don't know the God who worshiping. We if you know that salvation comes from She doesn't know that there is something to live for. She has 
marital situation, he leads the husband to another. She realizes the need to take another step. She needs to realize his time the subject of the day is verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the time believe the truth to be a refusal because of this unity that she was concerned. But it's not only that. We compare to what happened in Luke chapter 9. Jesus was not welcomed in the Samaritan village. So, Went to another village, to another village. But at this point, in verse 42, or in verse 39, yet, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed. Often While we are reflecting this Japanese story, the question today is not in the Are you open as a God? We have to take it serious this year. If you are aware of the question, what will you do to the Lord? Do you know that Jesus is meeting you at the Lord? This morning, let me remind you that the way of valley of grace is very, very much alive. The well of grace is very, very much alive. 